Hey, listen, if you're new, I want to welcome you. My name's Andy Steiger. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here. And tonight uh, is just a, a one-off, kickoff topic that I want to speak on the subject of community. And a little bit later, we'll, we'll uh, be announcing the direction we're going with our, our new series. But tonight, I want to talk on the subject of community. And I, I want to talk about what NYA is all about. We are a ministry that is focused on community. And, and one of the things you'll hear a lot about, and you've heard over the years me say so many times, that we are a place in which you can come and grow in your relationship with God and in your relationship with one another. And one of the things that I have seen over the years that has been so cool as I've, I've had the privilege of leading this is when I first came to Northview, we had 30 of us that met. And we diligently came and met with the Lord and met with one another. And over the years, God has just continued to build this community. And it's our desire to see that this community would continue to grow, but grow in a healthy way. One of the things that I am just concerned about, one of the things that I am passionate about is that we wouldn't just be a large gathering or a small gathering. I want to be a gathering of people who love Jesus and who love one another. But as I've been thinking about that, and by the way, let me just stop a moment and just say, I got to say, I love NYA. I really do. And I, in the busyness of this, of this September, I have been looking forward to tonight like I can't express to you. I have been looking forward to come together with you and to worship. Isn't it good to come together, come on, and to worship with one another? This, like, this feeds my soul. You know what I'm saying? And I have been looking forward to coming because I find community here. And one of the things I love seeing is I love seeing the community that's going on at NYA. I don't see a bunch of cliques. I don't see a bunch of silos. I see people who are coming that are genuinely interested in community, but we need to be convinced of that as we move forward. Man, this summer, I've just been thinking on this. I've been praying on this. And God taught me this summer some valuable lessons. And, and in fact, he used my kids to teach me. Now, I know I use lots of kids' stories, but listen, man, when you have kids, God's like, I got stuff to teach you that I just can't teach you any other way. And they, this summer, listen, this summer, I'm out rock climbing with my kids. First time I ever took them rock climbing. I love rock climbing. I've been waiting until they were the age that I could take them rock climbing. Went out with another family. We went out to Squamish. We're climbing. My boy Tristan goes up, kills it, does an awesome job. And then my boy William goes up, kills it. Then they go up for another time. We're having a great day. Then my boy William, my nine-year-old, says to me, Dad, I want to go for a walk in the woods with this girl. And I'm like, go with my blessing, son. Right? Come on. And then I'm like, and when you see Daniel next, man, you tell him. All right? Walk in the woods, baby. <laughs> He's like, come on, man. Right, so he, so okay, my boy, right, he's nine years old and he's, he's going for a walk in the woods, he's near us and I, I got this, this girl's dad on the line and I'm belaying him, he's climbing the mountain and as they're in the forest, not far from me, I hear somebody fall and I hear what sounds like a branch break and I begin to hear my little boy William crying. Now I've heard my boy cry a lot, uh, so I wasn't too worried about that. <laughs> but shortly after that, I heard that little girl start screaming. 
And that's when I knew, okay, this is not good. This is not normal. And I told the, the, this guy, Paul, who's climbing, I said, man, you got to come down right now. And I did like one of those, right? So you know what I'm talking about. Like, I think, I, like, he was, like he was freaked out. Like I stopped him like inches from the ground and I've got that thing off of me and I am running through that forest as fast as I can. And guys, I can't even describe to you the gut-wrenching feeling that I had as my little boy turned around and his arm was bent. He, he broke both bones in his arm. He took a bad step. He's probably staring at the girl. I don't know. <laughs> you know, he took a bad step back and, and, he, and he fell back and he just snapped his arm. And, and, and I, I, listen, I can't tell you what it was like as a dad as I run up and my little boy's holding his arm and, it's been, and I just scooped him up in my arms, man. And I tell you, I could have ran anywhere. You know what I'm saying? And I, I ran to the car, okay? <laughs> And I put him in there with my wife, and we drove off to the hospital there in Squamish. And my heart was just broken for my little boy. Now, now, now that's one story that happened this summer. And, and, and by the way, here's a picture of Will. Uh, when they, they had to put him out to set his arm, like two bones broke him, and they had to yank on that bad boy. I was going to show you the picture. I have the picture of his bent arm, but it's gut-wrenching, so I didn't do that to you. But here he is. You know, he's got his cast on. Now, this might surprise you, but I'm telling you the God-honest truth. As, as painful as it was to watch my boy break his arm and to go through that with him, I saw something this summer that was far more painful. And in fact, I talked to my wife about it, and she said, yep, it was way more painful when I saw my little boy's heart broken this summer. This summer, uh, Tristan turned 11, and one of the things that we do in the Steiger house is we do adventure birthday parties. So I gather up his buds, we got a canoe, and we paddled up uh, Widgeon Creek, and uh, we went on this hike to these falls, and we had an amazing time. But along that journey, I noticed something take place that had never noticed, that had never happened before. See, these buds that Tristan was hanging with over the years, they've become tight. They've become close. And, and Will hangs with them, and particularly when we're doing any outing together, and he's, he's, he's in that group. And I saw my little boy trying to, to hang with his, his brother. I saw him trying to hang with this, this group that had become so close that they had become closed off. You know what I'm saying? You can become so close to somebody that you begin to close yourself off to other people. And I saw these guys, man, and they started, they started excluding William, but that, and that was one thing, but then they started making fun of William. And, and, and at one point, I saw William trying so hard to, to be cool and hang with these guys, and they just rip into him, and I just saw my son just look at the ground, and I could see this brokenness come over him. I gotta tell you, as a father, that destroyed me. Uh, that hurt way more than watching my boy break his arm, than hearing him break his arm. And I pulled my son Tristan aside, and I said, I go, Tristan, man, I go, your brother loves you. And he goes, yeah, I know. And my, my son Tristan loves hanging with his little bro, and my, they lo- they're best friends. And, uh, and I go, do you not hear what your friends are saying to him? Do you not see how they're treating him? And he goes, no, Dad, I'm, I didn't see it. And he, and he did it, right? He's so tight with his buddies. And I go, man, they're making fun of your brother, and they are, they are closed off to him. I was so proud of my son. 
Because I kid you not, it wasn't five minutes after I had that conversation with him, one of his friends laid into him again, started making fun of him. Man, Tristan stepped up. He's like, no, no, no. That's my brother, right? You, you don't talk to my brother like that. And I got to tell you, man, it changed that entire day. All of a sudden, my, my son, Tristan, right, he reminded his buddies, no, 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 we're not a closed-off group. We're an open group. And my brother is, is welcome to be a part of us. Listen, NYA, I'm, I'm telling you that story because if there's one point that I just want to get across to you tonight, it is that you and I have got to be careful as we move forward and as we continue to promote community here at NYA, we have got to be so careful that we do not become so close and that in your community groups, you don't become so close that you become closed off. That you become such a tight-knit group that no one else can break into that. And in that security, it is so easy for you to start abusing, to start... To start um, mistreating other people that are just dying just to, to be a part of community. Listen, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to step in and we need to take care of one another and we, we, we need to see when one another is being excluded. We need to be cautious of when that, that happens, when we become closed off and that we, that we put a stop to it and that we make sure, no, 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 we are an open group. Listen, as I've just been thinking, as I've been praying about, one of the things I am just convicted on is that a Christian, listen to this, a Christian is committed to not just community, a Christian is committed to open community. Christians are not embracing, have not been called to embrace closed community. Listen, if you want closed community, this world is full of closed community. There's lots of community out here that you, can, you and I can't be a part of. That's not the Christian message. The Christian message is one of love for all people that is an open community. And Jesus teaches this over and over again. And he does so with incredible conviction. And one of the sections that I've been reading and pondering and, and dwelling on this summer is Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, there's people that have been listening to Jesus teach and they're impressed by what they're hearing. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've heard some of what Jesus has said. Maybe you've been reading the Bible and you're impressed by his words. But have you let it sink into your heart? And, and here what we find in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, and if you have a Bible, feel free to turn there with me. Luke 10, 25, we see that there is this expert in the law and he stands up to test Jesus. Can you imagine? like, man, this guy's a good teacher. I'm going to test him. And he says to him, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right? Like, what's, what, what is this all about? What's this whole Christianity thing all about? What do I need to do? And Jesus now begins to test him. And he says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And the man, being a good Jew, responds back to Jesus. And he says, well, um, you should, this is verse 27, he answered, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. To which Jesus replied, Jesus answered, uh, yeah, you've, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live, Jesus says. That, that's what you need to do. 
By the way, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? Like, Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to inherit eternal life, if you want to know what God's asking of you, if you want to know what all of this is about, it is about loving God, and it is about loving people. And this guy, right, he's this, this Jew, he knows the law, this is a no-brainer to him. As a Jew, he's been taught his whole life that, that a Jew follows Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema, which Shema in Hebrew is listen, and that's how that starts out, listen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's a Hebraic way of saying love God with everything that it is to be a human being. Mind, heart, soul, strength, all of it. Love God. But now you can see, though, that this guy's been listening to Jesus because Jesus takes the Shema and he takes this love God and he adds to it Leviticus 19 and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is significant, by the way. You see, what Jesus is getting at is, an, is a profoundly important idea. If you love God, then you will love the things that God loves, and God loves people. So if you love God, you will love people. And in fact, Jesus says, this is how you'll know that you're one of my disciples. This is how you'll know you're one of my students if you love people. Do you love people? Listen, you'll know you love God because you love people. And so here, this guy, like many of us, he answered correctly. He got it, right? He, he knew his Bible. He'd been listening to Jesus. But, and this is the key, this guy's heart wasn't in the right place. And Luke tells us in verse 29 that this guy, that he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus this question, who's my neighbor? Think about that for a moment. This guy wants to justify who he needs to love. See, you need to understand, the Jews had become such a close community that they had become a closed community. They were closed off to everybody. There's, there was no getting into that closed off community. And Jesus now begins to challenge this guy who's seeking to justify those people that he needs to love and those people that he doesn't need to love. And this man, listen, he wants to love that closed off community. Those people, my people, oh sure, I'll love them. I'll love that community, right? I'll love that group of people. But Jesus, I don't want to love those other people and I need to justify not having to love those people. For the Jews, there was a particular people that they did not like and they did not want to love. And those were a people that they called half-breeds. Those were a people that, were, uh, that had remained in Israel during the, the, during the uh, Babylonian captivity. When the, the temple was destroyed and the Babylonians took them off, a group of uh, of Jews remained back and other Gentiles came in and they started intermixing. And so they saw them as half-breeds. They weren't full Jews. They were Samaritans. And the Jews hated the Samaritans. They were closed off to the Samaritans. The Jews did not want to love the Samaritans. And so it's interesting how Jesus replies to this man as Jesus begins to tell this man a story. And he says to them, to him, 
Listen, and this is a story you and I have read many times. We, this is one of Jesus' probably most famous stories. The parable of the Good Samaritan, as he explains. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This was a dangerous uh, trek, well known at that time. If you're going to get robbed, that's where you're going to get robbed, right? Don't go there at night. And here this guy is walking from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, they went away, leaving him half dead. And, and Jesus now explains that a priest happened to be going along the same road when he saw the man, and he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now you need to understand, for a Jew listening to this story, this was... This was inconceivable, right? These, these were supposed to be the heroes of the story. These were the good guys, and they passed by. But in verse 33, we read, but a Samaritan, was tra- um, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine and then put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, looked after him, looked after him and said, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. This is interesting, right? I mean, Here the Samaritan comes along, he sees a man in need, and he goes above and beyond to love and to take care of this guy from beginning to end. He wants to see him healed. And Jesus asks now a profound question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? It's interesting, this Jew, I mean, he doesn't like Samaritans so much that he can't even say a Samaritan's name. So the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy. And Jesus replied, go and do likewise. Do you know the problem that you and I have? I know I have. Is I often will come to a story like that and I'll read about the good Samaritan and I'll think that I'm the good Samaritan in the story. I'll think that I'm the hero in the story. Listen, Jesus is not telling that story because he sees that you're the hero. He sees that you're the one that needs to hear the story. And in particular, Jesus is saying the story because he knows that there is something in our hearts that need to change. And Jesus does something that is profound as he begins to tell this story. He tells um, the story in complete opposite the way that we do. You see, normally when you and I tell a story in any good movie, right, you've got your hero and you've got your villain. And if you're a good storyteller, what you do is you humanize the hero so that you root for them, right? You tell the backstory, right? You you tell them about their family and their kids. You do all those sorts of things that make you want to root for that hero, but the villain, you do the opposite. You vilify them, right? You you dehumanize them so that by the end of the story, you find yourself rooting for their demise. Jesus flips that on its head, and he makes the hero of the story the villain, and he makes the villain of the story the hero. And he does this for the purpose of throwing it on its head to ask you and I, what's going on in here? Do you have a, are you closed off in your pursuit of community as you've come here tonight? Are you closed off to other people or are you open? 
Because if you're open, that is only going to be the case if there has been a change in your heart. In the way that you see people. You see, Jesus wanted to throw this story on its head to challenge the way that you and I see people. Do we, do we see people that, that are in need and do we welcome them in community or do we shut them out? What's interesting about Jesus using a Samaritan and flipping the story on its head is, is there's, there's two things that he's doing when he does that that's incredibly convicting. And, and the first one is this, and I've got to tell you, this, I, as I think about what's going on in Christianity today, as I think about what's going on in our culture today, listen, my brothers and sisters in Christ, this is something that you and I have got to understand. And, and that is that, that there are going to be people in this world that you and I do not agree with. I, I like the way Timothy Keller says it. He says, listen, all churches must understand, love, and identify with their local communities. We get that. Right? We need to be a place of community. But then he says, and social setting, and yet at the same time be able and willing to critique and challenge it. Listen, you and I, if we are ever going to foster open community, you and I have got to be willing to love people on the one hand deeply and at the same time be able to deeply disagree with people on the other. You can do both. You can do both. Think about what Jesus has done here. In his story, flipping it on, head, on its head, he took the villain of that time, a Samaritan, and he made him the hero of the story. I want you to think about that. A Samaritan, Jesus would have been completely against the views of a Samaritan. The Samaritan only believed that the first five books of the Old Testament were inspired and that Moses was the last prophet and and that, that the Jerusalem temple was defunct, and the only real place to worship God was at Mount Gerizim. And here you've got Jesus, the Son of God, the, the King of kings, the, the prophet of all prophets, the priest of all priests, and he is using a Samaritan as his hero of the story to make his point that you should love all people in need, even those people you don't agree with, that you should love them. In fact, that you should welcome them into community because you and I are committed to loving people. Loving even those people that we don't agree with. Now listen, here's where the convicting part comes in. If you were that teacher of the law and you had come to Jesus and you had asked him as you sought to justify your heart, who's my neighbor, Jesus? Who would he have made the hero of the story? Think about that for a moment. Who would be the hero of that story as he sought to challenge what's going on in here? I got to tell you, man, as I was praying, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking to myself, man, okay, listen, if I asked Jesus that question, I'd be like, Jesus, come aside, right? Come where no one else can hear me, right? Who's my neighbor, Jesus, as I'm trying to justify who I don't want to love? right? And he's like, well, let me tell you a story, Andy, right? Let me tell you about the good so-and-so. You and I all have those people in our lives that we would rather be able to justify. Yeah, God, I'll love people, but not those people. 
Jesus is saying, no, 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 you've been called to love all people. That you and I are called to be committed to open community. Listen, you could put it like this. The, the best neighbor, the best neighbor is the one who asks, who is my neighbor, but does it with the right heart. You know what I'm saying? See, because you can ask that question in two different ways. I think, I think asking who is my neighbor is the right question. The problem is that the, what Jesus is driving at is, yeah, that's the right question, but do you have the right heart as you're asking the question? Do you have the kind of heart that is looking for people in need that you can be open and welcoming into community? Or do you have the kind of heart that is closed off and only wants to love those certain people? Listen, as I, as I close tonight, and I just pray that you just would meet the Lord in this, and, and, I'm, and I'm sharing this with you because, man, as we start off this year, we at NYA want to continue to be committed to open community as we seek to grow and to love people. Amen? And as I was thinking about this message, as I was thinking about the Good Samaritan, I began thinking about a missions trip that I had the privilege of being on two years ago uh, to Thailand. And some of you are here tonight. Yeah, come on now, that uh, we are in Thailand with you. Some, some people from our church, some of our, our young people from our church went off to Thailand and just so happened at the same time that my family was going to Thailand on vacation. And so we hooked up with them for a couple days and served with them. And, uh, and one, of the, one of the things that I was really looking forward to as I came and served in Thailand is I wanted to introduce my boys to this lady there named Noi. Because Noi is a beautiful, wonderful, lovely lady. She's one of those people, right, that you're like, man, Jesus, if that lady asked who's my neighbor, he'd be like, dang, girl, you're doing just fine, right? You got it figured out. You just keep loving people. Because I'm like, man, when I see Noi, I see a lady who's committed to Jesus, loves people, and a life that I wanted my boys to see. And I just was praying, God, would her, would her love for you just be contagious? I just want my kids to be near her so that they would just learn what it looks like to love people. But man, when we were there, she started saying something about, she started talking about her testimony. And she started talking about her testimony. I was like, What? What? You were like, what? You did what? And, and I, was so, I, was just, I was so taken back by it this summer, I Skyped her. I said, no, you gotta, we gotta talk about this. I go, I go girl, you gotta tell me your whole story. And I go, and I'm gonna poke prod, I wanna go as deep, and she's like, that's fine. She's so humble. And she normally just doesn't share her whole story, but she's like, if you wanna hear me talk, I'll tell you. And so I said, Nori, would you tell me, like, what happened? And she said, listen, Andy, I, I am from the village in Thailand. I, I am, I'm a farm girl. And on the farm, she said, listen, my mom already had six kids when she became pregnant with me, and she had no idea how she was going to feed me. And she said, so my mom made the decision to take some medicine to end my life. And she said, Andy, but it didn't end my life. It only caused birth defects. And those people who know Noi, you know that she's way shorter than the, than the average Thai. I mean, Thai people are already short, and she's, she's even shorter, right? She's like, Andy, it stunted my growth. And then she said, more than that, you can see when you see her, it, she said, it disfigured my eye. And, and, and she had, she had her, her challenges. And she said, Andy, growing up, my neighbors and my friends were relentless 
in their mocking and in their abuse of me. She said, man, Andy, she goes, I hated people. In fact, she said, things got so bad that her mom pulled her aside and said, listen, Noi, we're not gonna make you do work on the farm anymore. We're just gonna, we just want you to study. And she said, we just want you to go off to university and we want you to go into business, Noi, and we want you to become wealthy. And she said, and then people will respect you. Then they'll stop making fun of you, Noi. Then your life will be better. So Noi is a, is this Buddhist Thai woman, studied hard, went off to university. And as she got to university, she said, Andy, I just became so incredibly lonely. And she said, I, I, she goes, I, I went to my, my uh, sister-in-law, who, who's also a Buddhist. And, she, and I love this, man. She comes to her and she goes, I am so lonely and I am so in need of community. And, and her, her uh, sister-in-law says, listen, I don't know of any friends, but this I do know. She goes, I've heard that those Christians, that they're really nice people. And I heard that they're the kind of people that aren't closed off to people, but they're open. And I heard you can go there, Noi, and you can find community at a church. You love that? So you know what she did? She goes, Andy, I didn't know any Christians. She she goes, I just knew they love crosses, man. They put crosses on it. She goes, so I just went looking for a building with a cross on it. Can you imagine coming, you Christians? Just so happened there was this building with a cross on it across her campus. She goes in there and they welcomed her into community and they loved her. And you know what she said to me? She said this, she goes, Andy, when I went to church, she goes, I did not go to church to find God. That's Buddhist. I didn't even believe God existed. She goes, I I went to church to find community. And when I was welcomed in and when I was loved, she goes, they introduced me to a new community that didn't even know existed. She goes, they introduced me to God. And she said, and Andy, God began to change my heart. Now, this is where her story got interesting to me, though. Because she said, Andy, as I began to go to church and as I began to get connected into that community, that close community became a closed community. And she said, I went into, I graduated from university. I got into the rat race of life. I got into business and I started working. And one day I got a phone call. And that phone call was that my father had died. And she said, Andy, I realized as I was listening to, to my mother tell me about how my father had died, that I was so closed off. I was even closed off to my own family. And I had never shared with him the love that I found in Jesus Christ. And she said, that just tore me up. God began to do a work in her. God began to change the way she saw people. She started realizing that she was closed off and that she needed to open herself up to people. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've become closed off and you need to begin to open yourself. She went to her pastor and she said to her pastor, pastor, what does God want from me, she said. And he goes, listen, this is what God wants. He goes right to Jesus, right? Love God. With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love people. And she goes, how can I do that? And he goes, I don't know, see where there's need. And she saw an ad for Youth with a Mission, YWAM, that said, listen, we got need. We're going to go into the slums of Bangkok, and we're going to go love children. You want to come with us? And Noy said, man, did I have to wrestle with God because I hated people, particularly children that had mocked me, ridiculed me, and abused me my entire life. 
And she said, but God began to work in me and change me. And she said, I went there and I began to love those kids. And God began to do work in me. And then one day, she's loving those kids. She said she saw an elderly woman up on a hill that had been sitting there the entire day. She began to think to herself, man, I wonder if there's anybody that cares for her or that's watching out for her. And God, again, God, what's God doing? God is opening her up to the needs of other people. And Noi began to look into the plight of the elderly in Bangkok, and she began to, she ended up starting an incredible ministry called the Ruth Center. She got out of business, went into ministry, and she started helping the elderly in the slums of Bangkok that needed community, that needed God, that needed relationship, and she opened them up to them, opened herself up to them, and she even did this. This is how hardcore she is. She goes, Andy, I was loving this. She goes, Andy, I even went to a nursing home, and I lived there for 10 days to find out what are they experiencing and what's going on. And her Thai voice, man, I love it. She's like, and she's like, Andy, and my heart broke. Because the first day I went there, she goes, I met a man who told me that he felt like a bird. And, I, and she goes, that's kind of weird. And I said, yeah, that is. What did he mean? And she goes, she said, he goes, I feel like a bird in a cage. He said, I just sit here and people feed me breakfast. They feed me lunch. They feed me dinner. And he said, but I just want to be loved. I just want to be a part of a community. I'm not just a bird that needs to be fed. I'm a human being that needs to be cared for. Listen, as you and I move forward in this new year, we need to be mindful. I mean, this guy, what does he say? He says to her, he goes, man, I just want to die. Man, Noy's heart broke for this man as she just embraced him and welcomed him in community. Listen, here, this is what I want to say as we close. As you step into community this year, would you do so with an open heart? Would you allow God to do a work in here that you wouldn't be closed off to one another, but that you would be open and that as you come into community, would you see that there is a world out there that needs you and you need them? Listen, Noi needed people, but God began to do a work in her, and she started to love other people. She started to replicate the love that had been shown to her as God worked in her. And my prayer as we move forward this year is that's the kind of community that you and I would be. And as we continue to serve together, we would see God transform our communities because we are open and that we love one another. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. God, I am so thankful that, uh, that you love us. God, I know that there are people I'm closed off to. I know, God, that you need to do a work in my heart. I know that I need to continue to seek to love people the way that you do. And I just ask, God, would you help me do that? Would you help us do that? God, would we be the kind of community that welcomes people like Noi in? Would we, would, would we show them your love and would we help them as you work in them that we wouldn't be closed community, that we'd be open, the kind of community that's growing and loving and serving. But God, I know that is only going to happen if we have a heart change. God, I just ask, as your Holy Spirit just works in us, would you change our hearts? Would you teach us? Would you convict us? And I, God, I just pray, as we just meet with you now, would you just convict us? Who are the heroes of our story that you're teaching are the heroes because we've tried so hard to make them the villain. 
God, would you teach us as we praise you, as we follow you in your power and name. Amen.